and welcome to the Sustainability Leaders Series. I'm Oriel Morrison. ESG, or environmental, social and governance, is no longer an emerging consideration, but a frontline issue for company boards to embrace. Corporate responsibility and ethical commitment to action on climate change is very real. It's no longer a question of if we can get to net zero, but how? And the clock is ticking on achieving those goals by 2050. While the challenge of reaching net zero is primarily environmental, experts point to all three parts of the ESG framework as being integral to the solution. So when you look at what, uh, what policies leaders like Denmark and the United Kingdom are implementing to reach this climate goal, it's really a broad suite of climate policies, including uh, greenhouse gas uh, charges or taxes that incentivizes the more efficient use of, of fossil fuels. Some say the G, governance, is the most important part of ESG, given the key principles are purpose and stewardship. At the corporate level, it's a job for boards, who across industry and geography are facing mounting pressure to be proactive to not only navigate the challenges presented by climate change, but also to effectively communicate their guiding principles. Stakeholder capitalism has become more evident. Investors are increasingly prioritizing ESG metrics in their decisions on capital allocation. And consumers are making decisions based on companies' sustainability profiles, all of which is helping to slow down the rise in greenwashing when companies make misleading or unsubstantiated claims about the environmental benefits of their products or practices. So it's no longer an issue of greenwashing or virtue signaling. Now companies feel that they're getting strong nudges from governments, from regulators and stakeholders. Civil society has been very proactive in naming and shaming companies with inadequate practices. At COP26, the International Sustainability Standard Board was launched, aiming to produce the new global standards to assess the impact of climate change and help prevent greenwashing. The ISSB says it hopes to issue these standards by the end of 2022. And it's expected that the rewards of regulatory alignment will grow as companies are held to the same terms of engagement right around the world. I'm joined now by Shai Ganu, MD, Global Leader of Executive Compensation, Board Advisory and ESG Strategy for Willis Towers Watson, and Philip Forrest, Member of the Governing Council for the Singapore Institute of Directors. Gentlemen, welcome. It's great to have you both with us today. Now, Shai, let me kick off the conversation with you because you said before that for effective governance, the G needs to come first in ESG. Can you take us through what you mean by this? We talk about ESG in one breath, but uh, and, and it's clearly become a far more prominent issue in recent times. But let's be honest, it's not something new. Uh, this has been this has been a priority for boards. It's been a priority for companies for quite some time. Uh, it had uh, different uh, terminology used about sustainability, about ensuring business continuity. But ESG is not a new concept. What's become more prominent, though, is the emphasis on aligning corporate strategy to ESG and ensuring that it's aligned with interests of all stakeholders. 
And if you think about the E, the S, and G separately, the G, which is governance, fundamentally it becomes a, a, the starting point for how boards should be looking at sustainability governance. Mm, which is key to our conversation, of course, today. So, Phil, uh, come in here. From your experience, how receptive are companies to putting governance first in the framework of ESG? I, I think the, uh, the, the landscape is becoming a lot more... Um, positive in in the Southeast Asian region uh, towards the importance of governance. Uh, you see that in a number of respects. For example, the number of independent directors on boards is vastly increased from, uh, from where it was just a few years ago. Um, the number of companies where the chairman is uh, the same person as the CEO or closely related uh, that number is coming down. I think there is recognition uh, to a greater extent than before of the importance of an independent board that can play a, an independent role in the creation of, of strategy. So, uh, so positive things there. Another aspect, of course, is that boards are becoming more diversified, not at a rate that we would like to see, uh, but nevertheless at a steady pace. Uh, so, so these are all positive things for governance, um, and and corporate governance has never been as important as it is now. As we uh, as we look at at some of the huge issues, climate change, obviously, but not just that. Issues of um, digitization, as we uh, as we figure out new ways of dealing with our customers and our supply chains and and the community and so forth. Mm. And that's so important because you talked about change, Phil, and that urgency surrounding change on multiple yeah. levels is increasing. So, Shai, let me let me ask you to follow on from, from Phil's answer, which where he, of course, talked about how governance is changing. What are the specific things that you're seeing from your perspective that's changing as rapidly as the urgency around this change? I know people talk a little, a lot about ESG, but if you think about the E, the S and the G, it's been fascinating to see how different regions have focused differently on different elements. Um, so for, for the most part of 2020 and 2021, I think we can all agree that um, North America, the focus was very much on the S uh, with issues such as Black Lives Matters, with issues on racial and gender representation. It was a much stronger emphasis on the S. Um, Europe, um, not surprisingly, had a much stronger emphasis on E, on the environmental issues, on climate issues. Almost every listed company board in Europe is talking about decarbonization or climate or carbon emission reduction goals. Uh, a lot of them have gone the extra step and even linked that to executive pay, which happy to chat about later on. Uh, but in, in Asia, um, the emphasis has been a lot on the G and strengthening governance standards. Uh, we have about five or six different jurisdictions in Asia that have revised their codes of corporate governance. Uh, there are um, uh, sort of regulators and, and, and uh, stock exchanges that are requiring um, a, a stronger board diversity uh, agenda, a stronger board diversity policy, uh, and, and much stronger disclosures on your board composition and, and board um, um, governance structures. Um, and and um, Phil and I, we, we sit on the SID Governing Council, and one of the things that between SID and WTW we worked on last year in Singapore was a board diversity index, which is actually focusing on cognitive diversity on boards. So not just physical attributes of diversity, but experiential attributes of diversity, as well as diversity of stewardship styles. 
And a well-functioning board should have the right balance between different experiences, different orientations to problem solving, different risk reward profiles. Only then sort of you avoid groupthink and you can tackle a problem in, in a much more holistic way. Clearly, when you look at diversity, Australia would lead the charge a lot, Australian listed companies. Um, then you, if you move beyond that sort of Singapore, Hong Kong, Malaysia, um, not necessarily in that order, but clearly a few of these jurisdictions, Malaysia has a requirement for having uh, uh, at least um, X percent of directors to be women. Um, Singapore is focusing more on board diversity policy and companies disclosing their policies, uh, but, but certainly Australia is leading the way right now. So within Singapore, uh, Phil, with the companies that you're dealing with, are they embracing these kinds of changes and these demands to change? Yes, uh, I, I think the answer is yes. Embracing may be too strong a word, but um, uh, inclining, inclining that way. I, I think most people agree that better board decisions are, um, are delivered uh, with, with a, uh, a diverse board. If I could just touch on one other aspect that we were talking about earlier, not only are companies appointing more um, independent directors, but uh, to a large degree, they're professionalizing the process as well. They're not just going to their personal network, the, the, the boys at the golf club, um, and particularly in some countries such as Malaysia, they're um, uh, advertising, they're searching, they're, they're really doing a much more thorough, uh, taking a much more thorough approach to board recruitment. Which it's I think is very positive. Something you're, you're clearly agreeing with, Shine. The, the notion of a professional director, I think, is going to get far more prominence in this part of the world. Um, for too long has directorship been seen as something that people do in retirement to keep themselves occupied and to give themselves prominence. That's not necessarily the case. Uh, directorship is seen, uh, or rather that will evolve, where directorship is seen as a profession. Um, and, and then the skills and competencies required for directors will also evolve. Uh, and what I mean by that is... Um, it, it, there are a disproportionately large number of companies or rather a disproportionately large number of directors right now who have accounting, legal and sort of business backgrounds. Um, a lot of that emphasizes the need for the conformance aspects. Uh, so I have nothing against our accounting and, and legal friends. Clearly, those are important skill sets. But if you think about true cognitive diversity and having multiple skills represented on the board, it's important to have other skills such as public relations, human capital management, cybersecurity, um, mergers and acquisitions, new business models, and only then can a board truly add value to management. They're doing this because they can recognize and realize tangible benefits financial and non-financial benefits of having a strong ESG strategy, having a strong governance strategy. Uh, and, and happy to share some of these benefits. I mean, valuation premiums, lower cost of debt, customer stickiness, employee engagement, innovation. There's a lot of research, but focusing on the benefits moves the conversation beyond the altruistic moral premise towards alignment with strategy and interests of all stakeholders. So, so you named a number of benefits there, uh, Shai. So, Phil, does this weigh over to the executive compensation side and the board compensa com compensation side as well? Do you need to align those as well as those other, those other benefits that Shai was just discussing? Yeah. Um, here in Singapore, the SGX... Um, uh, guidance and regulations is trying to, to move companies to um, uh, to tying um, uh, compensation to um, 
achievement of ESG-related goals. Uh, it's still on a comply or explain basis at this stage, so it's got some way to go. But certainly, I think that is uh, uh, that, that is undoubtedly the the future. Yeah. So the SGX has asked uh, companies right now to start disclosing ESG metrics. They're not being prescriptive yeah. on alignment with incentives alignment with compensation but it's it's oh, yeah. in, um, it, uh, well uh, and it, it's it's a logical next step or rather from the board's perspective the old adage what gets measured gets done uh, and what gets rewarded definitely gets done uh, so as a way of accelerating change that is required in some of these big thematic issues um, there's quite a few companies in this part of the world, probably the more progressive ones, have started aligning their long-term ESG priorities with their executive pay, putting their money where their mouth is, so to speak. Exactly. Uh, so important as we stand here right now facing this era of change. Uh, Shai and Phil, it's been such a pleasure to have both of you with us today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. And that wraps it up for this episode of the Sustainability Leaders Series. I'm Oriel Morrison. Now, for more in this special 12-part series, head to apacnetwork.com.